I'm the compliance evangelist, and I'd like to welcome you to one month to operationalizing your compliance program. This month, I'm proud to announce a sponsor who will be with me all, all month. It is Oversight Systems. Recent developments at the Department of Justice and Securities and Exchange Commission have emphasized the operationalization of your corporate compliance program as the best defense to an FCPA enforcement action. It has also increased awareness that corporations need to evaluate and drive their compliance programs into the very fabric of their organizations. The best practices of an oper operationalized compliance program is set out in the release, recently released Department of Justice Evaluation of Corporate Compliance Programs. Oversight's automatic transaction monitoring solution, Insights on Demand for FCPA, operationalizes your compliance program. For more information, go to oversightsystems.com. Last month, the Department of Justice very quietly released a document entitled Evaluation of Corporate Compliance Programs on the Fraud Section website. The document is an 11-part list of questions which encapsulates, encapsulates the DOJ's most current thinking on what constitutes a best practices compli compliance program. Within the list are some 46 different questions that a chief compliance officer or compliance practitioner can use to benchmark a compliance program. In short, it is an incredibly valuable and most significantly useful resource for every compliance practitioner. The document has one clear theme that I will be exploring this month, that you must operationalize your compliance program. I hope you will join me for the month of March to learn how to operationalize your compliance program. Welcome to day five, forecasting. It is clear from the evaluation of corporate compliance programs that a company must operationalize its compliance program. One of the tools which is used to operationalize compliance is the risk management process. So over the next three days, I'm going to be talking about the risk management process in forecasting, risk assessment, and risk-based monitoring. Today, forecasting. At its heart, every business tries to plan for its future. It is a critical aspect of any management of any organization, nonprofits, privately owned businesses for profit, publicly owned companies, or others. It is important that management be able to set out what it opines will happen in the next 3, 6, 12, and 24 months. It is something that businesses try to wrap their heads around in such a way that they can move resources where they think it's appropriate to meet future needs, but also plan to meet future risks as they may appear. Forecasting at its heart is an educated guess, and really as much as it becomes a reliable model, more so and less so a guess, it's based upon the quality of your inputted data. It is a process through which you're attempting to prognosticate what the future will bring you, Unfortunately, forecasting models are only as good as the data which you put into them or the GIGO principle, garbage in, garbage out. Forecasting should be broadly defined as a technique to estimate future aspects of any sort of business or operation. And there are two methods of forecasting or two major categories, qualitative and quantitative. While both methods use past or historical data, in the quantitative method, you would use a time series analysis, for example, to see how certain trends appear uh, in your data in the past. 
contrasting this with the qualitative model, which is a little more subjective, and you're using less collective data, which has been put into a time series plot. It could be f finances fluctuating over time, or perhaps it's various indices. In the context of your work specifically, various instances of corruption that have been occurring would be important to the anti-corruption compliance practitioner. So you need to consider such things as how would you document these instances over time? Were there spikes? Were the spikes related to any sorts of indicia? Under either approach, whether you are using the qualitative or quantitative method for forecasting, what you're really trying to do or really trying to say is we expect these trends that we've seen in the past will be somewhat predictive of future behavior. Otherwise, if you don't consider the past in some way indicative of future performance, you will not engage in forecasting whatsoever. Forecasting typically will ra raise risks and opportunities that you might want to consider going forward. However, it does not assess or monitor those risks. Those are handled by risk assessment and risk monitoring, which will take up in days six and seven. Simply because something is a forecast does not mean it will occur. Obviously, uh, we can cite back to Niels Bohr, the Nobel-winning physicist, for the following. Prediction is difficult, especially about the future. Whenever you're trying to say something, how something will go, really the best you can do is look at past data and try to say that's what's going to happen based upon your prior data. In my prior probabilities, my prior knowledge tells me this, and therefore this is what it may mean for a future outcome. However, if you think about forecasting in the context of last year's Brexit by the United Kingdom, you may find that it's difficult to make such a prediction going forward using forecasting, or it certainly points up the various outcomes that you need to consider. This concept is known as anti-fragility, anti where the idea isn't to become more impervious to change in market forces, but more adaptable. And that's certainly the requirement of a compliance practitioner. Heraclitus of Ephesus said, change is the only constant. That's certainly true in compliance. Closing our eyes, covering our ears, and hoping changes will pass us over are not viable strategies. However, expecting the change and being adaptable and resilient to its effect are strategies for success. You should also consider the bias of those who are predicting. What happens if you want to increase your business and you believe that the business plan will make money? Well, of course you do, because how many business plans have you seen that plan to lose money? Uh, another lesson is really channeling my inner Howard Sklar and his maxim, water is wet. And that's self-critical, open-minded forecasters do a better job than narrow-minded, overconfident ones. By dwelling on our own fallibility, or rather dwelling on our own fallibility, is not something people do well. 
The result is confident eye-catching forecasts are the snack food of analysis. Unfortunately, this is true in the business world. Finally, you should always remember that more than one outcome is possible. A strong possibility may be a possibility, but it is not certainty. One way to overcome this bias is develop alternative scenarios. Richard Lummis, co-host of the podcast 12 O'Clock High, a podcast on business leadership, has called this the devil, devil's advocate role at the business planning table, and every scenario planner should create at least two contradictory alternatives to the rosier positive scenario. Super forecaster Philip Tetler calls this, or has noted, super forecasting requires counterfactualization. The ultimate point in any forecast is there must be preparedness for contra events. Elizabeth Holmes, the founder of Theranos, famously said, if you have a plan B as a backup, you've already lost. I find this to be worse than not helpful in any setting, particularly the business setting, and even more so the compliance setting. No matter what your forecasting or scenario planning modeling shows, preparing, you must prepare for other results. For any board of directors overseeing a compliance program or a compliance professional managing any type of risks, it all begin, begins by asking questions of your forecasters. So what are your three key takeaways? Well, first and foremost is the risk management process. I started uh, today's podcast by talking about the three steps that I'm going to detail, forecasting, risk assessment, and risk-based monitoring. But it's really a process, and you've got to engage in all three steps in the process. Second, never forget GIGO, garbage in, garbage out. And then the only constant is change. You're going to have new and different data. You've got to change that data. You've got to be nimble. And finally, forecasters must always remember there is more than one possible outcome. Certainly Brexit showed us that. Certainly, the U.S. presidential election showed us that. And finally, the Super Bowl showed us that. This is Tom Fox. Thank you very much for joining me on day five of one month to operationalizing your compliance program. And I hope you'll join me tomorrow for day six. This is Tom Fox, and I'd like to thank you very much for listening to today's episode of How to Operationalize Your Compliance Program. If you have any questions, you can reach out to me at tfox at tfoxlaw.com. If you've listened to this podcast via iTunes, I would greatly appreciate it if you would rate us. It would help in our rankings and help get the word out about how to learn about operationalizing your compliance program in one month. This is Tom Fox. Thank you very much for listening and hope you'll join me tomorrow. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.